So, you know, Thanksgiving Sunday, um, it's, it's an easy one for a pastor. Uh, you know, I, I feel tremendous, uh, tremendous gratitude uh, for this community and tremendous gratitude for the journey that, uh, that we're on together as a spiritual family. Um, I was uh, really sort of, just over the last several months, you know, uh, well, even really the last month and a half with church being what it is, uh, in the fall we begin to launch everything and ramp up everything. And, and as the church grows, it's sort of a continual process to adjust our expectations, adjust our programs, to be flexible in terms of changing our structures and listening to what people are saying and, and all of that. And, and in that, with, uh, with what we're trying to accomplish together, I, I just feel this, I have been feeling just this tremendous gratitude uh, towards people. And, and as we do all this shift and do all this change together, uh, it's, it's part of uh, our, our nature and part of the job as being a city with so many engineers is that we have a tendency to be able to see the thing that needs to be fixed and to focus on it and, and to be able to fix it. But what it can produce is uh, an atmosphere that's almost almost critical. And it's not really critical. It comes out of a, a passionate desire to fix things and to make things grow and to make things happen uh, uh, as they should happen. Uh, but, but I've been wanting to, as we, as we adjust all of these things, also sort of counterbalance that with a real, uh, a real sense of not, not only feeling gratitude that I feel personally, but, but really trying to express it to people. So I've been uh, trying to decide uh, and trying to choose to to be more expressive about gratitude. And so uh, I was just about to meet with Simon this week, and I was driving into Barhaven to, to catch up with him at work, and I was feeling all this gratitude for Simon and, and doing what you shouldn't do on the road. I also had a few phone calls to make and uh, <laughs> with my hands free, uh, <laughs> with the Bluetooth, of course. And I, I called up my mechanic, and I'm feeling all this gratitude in my heart uh, for Simon and expressing it. I told the story on Facebook, and you know, just arranged the appointment to have uh, have work done on the car, and and chatting with this mechanic, and and to say, "Listen, man, uh, you're awesome. Thank you so much. I love you, man." <laughs> and and, and he, there's just this sort of dead silence on the other end of the line, and and he just sort of says, "I love you too." <laughs> So is this kind of one of those perfect moments? He's probably really glad I wasn't like in the shop with him. I probably would have tried to give him a big hug or something. But uh, so this gratitude has been flowing out. And my hope is that it will it'll be continually flowing out of all of us. Like, like, isn't this a wonderful community? And aren't these wonderful people? Like, are, you guys are awesome. You guys are so good. And I'm so grateful uh, to be on the journey with you. You know, we all uh, need to be encouraged. Uh, just look at the picture of that little kid. Like, he is ready to hammer the ball that's coming at him, but you can tell he's scared out of his mind, right? And isn't that how we feel a lot of the time in life? We feel uh, often like something's coming at us, and, and God wants us to hit it out of the park, but we feel um, we don't have the courage, we don't have the strength, we have all this uncertainty about what's going on. And, and one of the things I've discovered is I've listened to people's story uh, time and time and again. And, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that people are wounded. But, but one of the most common things I hear is a story maybe of a dad or, or, or maybe of a mom who is, is trying to do life and, and just hasn't uh, 
had the opportunity to hear from their own parents that their parents are proud of them. You know, a person's mom or dad has passed on, and, and they never heard from their mom or dad that, that their, their parent was proud of them. And that parent may have said to uh, all of their siblings and said to all of the uncles and aunts and grandparents and co-workers, said, I'm so proud of my boy. He hit that out of the park. I'm so proud of my kid. He's doing so great in school. But, but so often, uh, parents have sometimes not known how to express that uh, to kids for, for a number of different reasons. And so there's a number of us that sort of walk around with that and, and lots of other um, almost a, a, a disability to express gratitude, a disability to pour out praise, a disability to pour out uh, a sense of thanks for, for what someone is um, and who they are. And there's all kinds of reasons that uh, we, we sometimes are unable to uh, give thanks. And, and there's all kinds of reasons that we're unable to receive encouragement as people. And one of them, you know, is this, this thing of false humility. And we've, we've talked about this before, and I've told you this story before. But, but I remember once with my, um, okay, embarrassing moment, Dad. Love you, Dad. <laughs> you know, you know does, does, did everybody love piano lessons when they were a kid? There's a few. Like, piano lessons are good. Like, like piano lessons are good. Parents sort of force their kids to do piano lessons. I was not even remotely that cool. I did organ lessons. <laughs> like, like, organ lessons. You know the two-stage organ, one keyboard up here, one, and doing the feet at the same time? Like, no kid has the coordination to do that. And uh, I had organ lessons, and there was this sort of recital in church, and my organ teacher, you know, like, really wanted me to go up there. Her name was Loretta, sweet, wonderful lady, prayed for me her whole life because she knew I needed it. Uh, uh, but but she she got she got us up there and we did this little recital and I played mediocre music and all of that and I remember afterwards uh, I was standing at the door of church and people were coming out of the door and they were saying uh, man that was that was awesome that was so good like just just congratulate me and praise me I was like oh no it wasn't oh no it wasn't any, it wasn't good it wasn't good and she Loretta sweet lady that she was grabbed me by the ear, like literally, and you know, I mean, this is child abuse now, right? Literally grabbed me by the ear and pulled me around to the little room where they count the offering and just laid into me. When people give you a compliment, you just say thank you. <laughs> but there's something in us that, that resists this, isn't it? There's something in us that just resists this uh, praise, that, that resists it. And, and often it's a false humility. Uh, being someone who, who accepts praise and who accepts thanks partly uh, comes from knowing who you are in Christ. It partly comes from knowing that, that Jesus made you and he made you really well. And it's okay for uh, you to receive it when other humans want to affirm what Christ has done in you. Because so often this encouragement that we resist is actually truth-telling. And truth is a good thing. And so we have this discomfort as people, both expressing uh, thanks and, and encouragement sometimes and, and, and in receiving it. Uh, for some of us, we just haven't been shown. 
Some of us, we've just grown up in environments that are, that are hostile and environments that are negative. Uh, where with parents who haven't known how to praise their kids and, 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 and encourage them. And, and in the case of some parents, it's almost what they've been taught. It's, it's like, man, if I just praise this kid too much, their head's going to get too big and they're not going to strive for excellence. Right? We know that's not right when we say it, and when it comes out of my mouth, it doesn't sound right. But there's, but there's, a, there's a way in which, in some ways, that, that we do that, which speaks to uh, um, this fourth thing. But the third thing is we, we sometimes are, are just not able to see past ourselves. As people, we're, we're kind of narcissistic. Our culture... Uh, really uh, tells us that it's all about us, that it's all about us, and that very often we simply don't see others. We simply don't see them. We simply can't see the goodness in others because we're concerned about our own faults. We're, we're so concerned about how we're doing that there's a, there's a gift of God that's required to help us break beyond this bubble that each of us as individual humans live in uh, that, 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 that we need to get past to, to see that there's a bigger world and there's wonderful things out there and that others need the encouragement that we also need to receive. And the other piece that's, I think, really important and, and, uh, and uh, I think we see it in all kinds of places, in particular in the workplace and, and sometimes in schools and sometimes in, uh, in, in homes as well, is we see... Uh, that there is a fear of a power imbalance when we praise. And you see that in, in the workplace where an employer might resist really encouraging their employees because they don't want their employees to know what they're worth. Right? They don't want their employees to know what they're worth. They don't want them to see themselves more highly than they are. Now, now everything in... in uh, in what people are learning about leadership. All of this is changing in, in, in the world. It's not, re- it's not really the world we live in, but, but that peace was, was really there uh, for a lot of years, uh, holding workers back and not encouraging, not praising, not wanting them to, to know how great they are, not knowing that, that, that praise motivates, that praise uh, strengthens. And the way it works on the other side, and I alluded to this a few moments ago, is, uh, you know, we as people, we, we need encouragement, we need praise, but, but we, have a, 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 we don't know how to ask for it, and, and it doesn't feel right to let people know that we need encouragement. Have you ever gone to say to somebody and just said, man, I just did such an awesome job, like you should just praise me for that. <laughs> like like that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. But, but we... we we, we go humbly about our work and, and we sort of hide our good deeds and there's a way in which there's, there's a good, healthy humility to that, but, but there's also a way in which we don't want people to know what the need is that we have because we fear that that gives other people power over us. Right? We fear that gives people power over us. It, it, it exploits... Uh, when, when somebody knows that you have a need for encouragement, when somebody knows an area in which you're broken, uh, they can do a number of things with that. They can encourage you. They can use it against you. Or they can just ignore it. Right? And, and we, have, we have tremendous fears that, that many people who are our friends are actually our enemies. And we, and we don't find it easy to trust. We don't find it easy to open ourselves up and say that, that we have a need. 
And so encouragement is something that, that, that needs to be learned. Uh, it's something uh, that, that we need to break through false humility around. We need to understand that, that when people encourage us, it's a, it's a speaking of Christ's truth into our lives. And, and it's so important that we need to just see beyond ourselves, to see uh, that there are people out there with needs just like ours or greater than ours, and with gifts and talents as beautiful as ours. I, I wanted to just look this morning at the writings of Paul. Paul, uh, when you think of Paul a, as a writer, uh, he, he might seem like one of the sort of a harsher, a, a critical writer. He was an engineer of the early church, and he often was telling people, don't do that do that, do that, don't do that. And he's, he's often sort of very directive and very clear. And, 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 and sometimes when we, when we read Paul, we get a sense of, man, how can I live up to the expectations of this guy? But, but we read too quickly through the introductions and conclusions to his letters. Uh, Paul, I, I want you to just do this. I'm not going to put all these on the screen, but I'm just going to go through a number of Paul's letters and just read pieces from his introductions and conclusions. And I want you to hear one Paul speaking to the churches that, that, that he's connecting with, but I also want you to hear Paul speaking to you as a person. So just let this wash over you. Uh, this is Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 7 uh, through 8. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. He notes something specific and something wonderful. Uh, continuing on, uh, the conclusion to Romans. Romans uh, chapter 16, uh, verses three through seven. Specific greetings to specific people, and I'm not going to read all of these. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They've risked their lives for me, not only I, but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their homes. A little plug for mixed groups. Uh, greet my dear friend Epentus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my, my relatives, who have been in prison uh, with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And he goes on and on and on to point out the beautiful thing in a person and commend them to others. Uh, whenever I look at this verse uh, 7, I just always want to make this note. In so many of our English translations, uh, greet Andronicus and Junius. Uh, that name Junius is, is, is written, but in any early manuscript, that name is Junia, which is a, which is a feminine. And I just want to point that out when I read that. And uh, English translators have done a terrible uh, thing in taking that, word, that name Junia and masculizing it. Uh, it's, it's really, he's really talking about the apostle Junia, a woman female apostle, and it's just a little side note for us uh, from the text. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Ephesians 1, 15 to 16. 
Uh, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the day... From the first day until now, being confident of of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul's heart worn on his sleeve. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, or chapter 1, uh, verses 2 and 4. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians verse one, chap, verse, or chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers, and, and, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of every, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. And it goes on and on and on. Paul pours that encouragement uh, so richly on the church. What, what do these passages have in, in common? One, they're found at the beginning and, and some of them at the end uh, of Paul's letters. Uh, Paul always begins a conversation with encouragement. He doesn't feel like that's a waste of time. He doesn't feel like that's filler. He doesn't feel like that's fluff. If you read those, those passages, he's, he's expressing something deeply felt. He, he gets to the point eventually, but, but he knows that the place to begin and end the conversation is with praise. It's so important for us in, in our busy lives, in, our, in, in, in the frenzy of activity we're involved in, in, in the pace that things come at in, in our working lives, to just take a time, uh, even writing an email or, or whatever it is that we're doing, to just take a moment to praise. Just take a moment to thank a person. Just take a moment uh, to offer encouragement. Uh, to Paul's praise is specific. Uh, he notes in every one of these cases uh, something wonderful about that person or community he's writing to. Uh, he's, he's not just throwing off freebies. He's not just throwing off uh, random words that he, that he doesn't mean. He takes the time to think about them, to pray about them, to, to connect with people. What's going to connect with their hearts? What do I know about them? How can I praise them? How can I encourage them? Uh, secondly, uh, or thirdly, Paul's praise is prophetic. In every one of these cases, and I don't have time to unpack this for us this morning, but in every one of those cases, that praise is also leading to the encouragement he's giving in the whole letter. Uh, he, his, his praise is forward thinking. His praise is, is, 
you know, certainly these letters and people that were reading them, not everybody who read Paul's letters perfectly exemplified the things that he said there. But he said it to make it real. He said it with prophetic authority. He said it with uh, a, a way of knowing that, that in saying it, it would transform uh, the situation and transform communities. And our praise with one another can be prophetic as well. We can see the seed of greatness in a person and praise that person and pour water and fertilizer and a life on that seed and see it grow in a person's heart. Uh, there's a way to, to make a difference there. And Paul's praise begins in grateful prayer. And, and this is really, I think, the most important part for us to understand. is As Paul praises people, as Paul encourages people, in, in almost every one of these instances, he, he starts with this phrase, I thank God for you. Or we thank God for you. He's writing in the voice of, of other apostles and other leaders, I thank God for you. And what Paul's doing there, it's not just empty words. Uh, what Paul is doing there is he's, he's saying that the first thing I do when I think of you as a person is I see it as a reason to praise God. This person is in my life as a gift from God. God has sent this person to me. This person is a treasure. This person is a grace of God. This person is made by God, created by God, formed by God as I am. And praise for us is, is worshiping God. We're, we're thanking God for that person. And as we flow in praise, we flow in, in care, we flow in gratitude, we're, we're not only offering a gift to that person, but we're offering a gift to the Father. And so we find uh, that, that He, God, is our source as we encourage another. It flows from Him, and, and He's also the target. For from Him and to Him and through Him are all things. It's all for him. It's all his glory. And we're just blessed along the way. It's just grace. We're just, we're just blessed along the way. It's so good. I remember as a kid, um, there, you know, there were two sports in the town that, uh, that I grew up in. And, well, we know what the first one was. It was in Canada. Uh, <laughs> and the other sport uh, was baseball, and, and I pr played both. Uh, and you know, one of the one of the things I remember most from that, my dad was my coach a little bit, and and uh, my my uncle Danny was a coach. is a small town Saskatchewan, and and I remember, hey, there's James. I remember uh, another coach named Jim. And uh, one of the things I remember, like, have you ever played? Anybody played baseball as a kid? Is baseball the most boring sport ever when you're a little kid? Like how much time, sorry for all you Blue Jays fans, I promise you I'm not getting on the Blue Jays bandwagon unless we're in the World Series. Uh, but uh, uh, are you, you're actually wearing swag, aren't you, Christina? Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I, what I remember from this is one being so bored out there in the field. Like sometimes I, I remember I played third base and got to pitch a little bit. And, but the worst place to be was like out in left field, right? Like, like I don't know how many times I'm like standing there and the ball's like, 
you know, over my head or something. Because, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to focus. It's a, it's a great big field, and it's a game that's in, it's played as a team, but it's in some way played kind of independently. It, it, it's hard to keep your focus on the game. It's hard as a little kid to know what's going on. And, and we're often like this in the church world, too. We're, we're often... Uh, so engrossed in our own stuff and so sort of disconnected and we're focused in our department and our thing. And it's just like kids playing baseball. And one thing I remember uh, so clearly uh, coming from all of these great coaches we had as a kid is, is I'm just saying this phrase over and over again, where's the chatter, boys? Where's the chatter? Talk it up, talk it up. Right? A team has got to communicate. A team is, has got to chatter. We want a pitcher, not a belly itcher. Right? Or whatever it is. And then the coach would say, no, keep it positive. Keep it positive. <laughs> we want a preacher, not a boring speecher. Right? <laughs> keep it positive. Come on. <laughs> but, but there's a, a need to encourage one another. There's a need to, to let that flow. Uh, when we're encouraging one another, we're helping people spot things coming at them. Uh, we're helping keep people focused. We're helping keeping people's eye on the ball. Uh, and, and if you're sitting on the bench in that moment. And if it's not happening to you, it's still happening to your team. So we've got to be, as a community, as a church, we've got to grow this culture of gratitude and, and grow this culture of praise. Now, now, how do we do that as a church? I mean, one is just being aware. How do we as people uh, continually encourage one another? But, but I want to just name and list out a few specific things. You know, one of the things I hear constantly from our various team leaders is that they'll sit up there in the wee hours of the night and craft an email outlining uh, their plan for their specific team or worship team, maybe it's Melissa or Anna with OVB Grove or, or lots of other leaders out there uh, who are sort of planning something. And they'll write this email laying out the program and, and, and sort of trying to encourage their people. And the result is crickets <laughs> a lot of the time. Send back an encouragement. I, I know we're, we're so busy. Uh, assimilate that information. Assimilate it. Got it. Moving on. Right? Assimilate it. Got it. Type something back and then move on. Encourage one another. Uh, acknowledge the work that you guys are doing. Uh, let praise uh, flow to one another. Uh, look on Sunday mornings to the, the walls of the church and look for the lost and look for the dejected. Look for those who are struggling. Have an eye not just for your friends, but have an eye for those uh, who, have a, who have a moment of need. You could see when you see people who's downcast. Have a look for those. Uh, give a parking lot prophecy. Now, now, I went to a ministry school, and we were told not to do that. Uh, give prophetic encouragement in the context of community where it's safe and, and all that. But forget all that. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're going to prophesy, you know, someone's death date or something like that, maybe, well, don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> no date, and the rule was no dates, no mates, no babies, right? No dates, no mates, no babies. Safe, safe rules. But, but in the parking lot, while we're having coffee, while we're hanging out, uh, have conversation, shoot the breeze, but, but take it deeper. Look into the soul of the person and, and see the beautiful thing there and, and Pour out God's life on it. Encourage it. Let encouragement flow that way. Uh, give a thought. Give a gift. Uh, give, give a thoughtful note. The, the art of the thank you note is lost. 
but re reacquire that one. And I know Anna's mom is just like, woo, yeah, yeah, for sure. She's a card person. How many are people are card people? Yeah, there's, there's still card people. Okay, so take note of who those are. Okay. Uh, and just bless people actively and unexpectedly and just because. Gift proactively. And I think as we do that, as a community, as we grow in these ways, one, uh, we'll become more, com- more comfortable receiving encouragement and we'll become more comfortable pouring it out. And what that does for a community, I mean, our community is wonderfully healthy and it's growing and it's strong and, it, and it's good. It's a, it's a good place. But for us to focus beyond ourselves makes room for so many more. And it makes room for so much more. It makes it possible to give. It makes it possible to sustain uh, our energy. It makes it possible for us to, to love one another. And to, to finish with this thought that I shared about halfway through, uh, encouragement is truth-telling. It's an expression of the nature of Christ. He sees these things. And, and when we say these things about the goodness in people... Uh, we're we're honoring him, and we're honoring one another, and, and, and good good things will happen.